Hi and welcome to episode number 29 of Self-Help Satnav, the podcast show where we talk about the best self-help tools for getting the most out of your relationships, work, health and well-being. I'm your host, Jim Lucas, behavioural therapist and specialist in well-being and evidence-based practices. For more information about the therapy, ebooks, online courses and specialist ACT training and supervision we offer, head on over to www.openforwards.com. Today I'm speaking with a blog writer, an author, and founder of 365 Days of Compassion, which is an online global community of people sharing thoughts, reflections, and information about compassion and well-being. With a particular emphasis on compassion-focused therapy and compassionate mind training, this champion of self-compassion has created an amazing online space for people to come together to be open, vulnerable, and courageous. I first met him online a couple of years ago when he began sharing his blog posts about his experience of living with depression. We later got together to create and publish an ebook called The Five Self-Compassionate Ways to Manage Depression and Boost Your Well-Being. I know he is a much respected human and contributor to the development of self-compassion worldwide. His name is Chris Winson. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining me today on Self Help Sat Now. Thank you very much for the invite. Looking forward to it. It's great to have you on. And as usual, we're going to kick straight off with the first question, which mm-hmm. is what's an example of a self help tool that you've put to use in your own life? So, um, the most useful self help tool I think that I've uh, used is self-compassion and developing a more compassionate approach to mental well-being and and life in general now um, that might sound like i wasn't a particularly compassionate person before i started to learn that but i think um as we'll hopefully talk about during the podcast and um, there is quite a power um within developing a slightly more compassionate approach to our own thinking um, we all tend to be fairly critical and unfortunately um, that can lead to some um, you know, mental health, um, trouble thinking, um, and it can cause a lot of distress in our lives. Yes, completely understand that. Self-compassion is a term that I guess kind of you and I are probably quite familiar with now, but I wonder whether quite a lot of people listening haven't really kind of been around that terminology much. And I wonder if you could elaborate on what, what that is, what it looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a, an interesting point in terms of our terminology. Um, obviously, within the podcast, you've talked a lot around different things, compassion as we are today, values, acceptance. These are all can be seen as big words um, with a lot of connotations for different people because of cultural and society um, uh, influences. For me, perhaps if I answer your question by just sharing a little bit about my journey into um, uh, the compassion world. So, um, you know, I uh, basically towards the end of 2016, um, things had become uh, quite dark for me. Um, I'd had periods of of kind of depression on and off before that, but it had been very successful at hiding that. uh, probably should deserve an Oscar at some point for, for being able to do that. Um, by the end of 2016, towards the end of 2016, that was quite obvious that that was 
uh, not sustainable and uh, I eventually went and did what I should have done beforehand um, which is to go and sought some help and part of that help um, was being referred on to uh, for talking therapy and um, I fortunately chose uh, a therapist who um, knew something called compassion focused therapy and um, which at the time obviously I had no idea about I was just coming along to to undertake a, a therapeutic approach to see that that would help um, and there were certain elements of of that approach um, that really helped and uh, we can talk about why they help in a moment but what they really helped was that they started to explain certain behaviors um, and thinking patterns for me that weren't helpful alongside um, the, you know, the, the, the period of depression. Um, and one of the key things within that was exploring this concept, as you said, of self-compassion. Um, and for me, my take on self-compassion is that it's, it's changing your kind of inner critic to an inner supporter. So it's, um, you know, we... we if you have a friend who is struggling, most of us would respond in a compassionate way. We wouldn't particularly judge that person for what they were struggling with. We might look to help them. We might just sit with them um, while they experience um, whatever distress or, or pain that it is. With ourselves, that's a very different relationship. Uh, and I think we tend to be much more critical, much more judgmental and way a lot harder on ourselves than we are with, with other people. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I, I, and I think there are different reasons for that. Um, one of the things that um, I liked about CFT was that it explains that in a kind of scientific way around the evolution uh, uh, development of the brain, um, why certain behaviours worked in our past, in our history, but aren't as conducive to modern life. Um, and modern life itself doesn't help with that kind of um, uh, non-judgmental piece, uh, you know, social media, um, there's the continual thing about continuous improvement um, in your life, etc. And I think there are expectations. Um, and amongst all of that, I think we lose something with the relationship with ourselves. And I think that for me is where self-compassion comes in. Um, I think one thing I ought to completely stress here is that uh, self-compassion isn't um, easy, nor should it be kind of um, uh, lumped into the kind of uh, unfortunately superficial way that self-care is seen. Um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, we have to be careful with words like self-care where um, it's not just about sitting down and, and oh, you know, I'm, I'm tired, I, I won't do something. Um, it's actually being slightly more um, clear about what you need to do mm -hmm. to look after yourself. Um, and the other piece I think is not easy about the self-compassion is that actually it encourage you, encourages you to look at all of you. So all of those parts of you that, um, you know, so maybe your anger or your impatience or those moments when you get frustrated, those are the kind of emotions sometimes we, we push away and they fester. Whereas compassion tends to allow you to be a bit more um, encompassing of all of those emotions. 
Mm, okay. Some, there's some things that you said there that are really kind of standing out to me. That for you, self-compassion is about turning your inner critic into a supporter. So that's a big one for me. And I, I think, I think a, a lot of people um, suffer with uh, quite uh, severe criticism. And that can be driven by many things. Sometimes you think, oh, if I'm not, you know, if that's part of my drive, um, that's part of me. You know, if I, if I don't do that, then uh, I won't be able to, you know, go on to do something. You know, even if that's going to the gym, you know, you, 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 oh, I need to go to the gym today. I'm feeling great. Oh, look, you're not your excuse. And you start to beat yourself up. That isn't going to help with the encouragement of going to the gym, um, particularly when it's a cold, frosty morning. Um, so to me, that piece of saying, well, actually, rather than criticising that part, um, actually, can you encourage it? So, so it's a little bit of a different conversation to yourself. Um, so yes, it is cold. Yes, you don't feel like it. Actually, one of your values perhaps is to stay healthy for your family, for yourself. That then gives you motivation. And I think the internal encouragement rather than berating yourself for not going to the gym may help you go to the gym. It might actually explain if you are tired, why are you tired? And it just brings a little bit more, for me, clarity around motivation. And it, is, and it is difficult, I think, for people, uh, particularly in the intense periods of depression, um, that isn't quite a very, that's quite a hard thing to do, um, to change that, because I think depression amplifies that in a critic. Um, but this is one of those key things of, um, one of the key things for me that came out from learning about compassion-focused therapy. I, I've just mentioned the word drive. Um, CFT was developed by Professor Paul Gilbert. Um, Paul developed an idea of these three uh, emotional systems. Um, so you've got your drive, threat, and soothing. And uh, those three systems uh, kind of work together. However, in a lot of instances, one or two may be more dominant, and they can also move into unhealthy uh, positions so drive is good i i will confess that during therapy i struggled with this because i found that to me drive has connotations of go-getting and and so on but yeah. we all have a healthy drive um, healthy drive to go to the gym but then if your drive gets pushed for example you decide that um you've got a load of work to do and you're going to carry on working throughout the night to catch up on emails or whatever your drive may there be into a more unhealthy position. Um, and the threat system is one that uh, really is triggered quite a lot. You know, we all get very nervous. And I'm slightly nervous about doing this podcast. Um, and again, evolutionary has uh, helped us to develop that threat system. But it can go unchecked and we can become, you know, uh, constrained by the feelings that, that brings so this is where the self-compassion piece comes in and with the um, soothing system that can help to kind of calm um, uh, I would say calm actually because I need to be careful with that 
it's not always about calming. It's about bringing some clarity to what's happening. Um, okay. You know, calm would suggest you bring your threat all the way down and you bring your drive down. And I think that's, I, I want to be careful with the words there because there's a healthy drive and there is always, of course, a healthy threat level. You know, you need to be aware of this and a little bit of anxiety perhaps before doing this podcast is showing that it's important to me. For me, the soothing piece, the compassionate piece keeps that at a healthy and um, helpful level, not unhealthy. So it can kind of keep you in the zone, the right zone of, of what's, what's, what's helpful and useful threat to pay attention. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's keeping those, those kind of three, um, um, they're, they're usually drawn as circles, those kind of three circles. For me, obviously in different contexts, different situations, one might be slightly bigger than the other and so on. I think broadly you're trying to keep those supporting each other. You don't want, you know, you don't want your threat system to be, um, there's a great big red circle and, and, and drive a smaller one and, 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 and the compassion soothing one, a little dot. It's, it's, you know, that, that would show where it's out to kilter. So I think it's also about keeping that. So like you said, the zone of keeping those um, mm. working together in a good way for you as a person. Yes. So it's a useful tool. It's one so, and it's one that you're saying is um, it's difficult probably for a lot of us because of our evolution and our history. It's difficult because of lots of things in the modern world going on around us, social media, cultural norms about achieving a lot. Mm. Um, and also then if, if you're struggling, if your mood is really low day in, day out, um, then it becomes even harder with that as well. Yeah, and I think, absolutely, and I think the way that there is a definition of compassion that Paul Gilbert has used, um, where compassion is a motivation, uh, and that's an interesting way to think about it. Um, so it's a motivation towards um, noticing distress, so, so that can be distress within yourself, uh, and obviously noticing it within others, with then the... Um, uh, desire to work to alleviate that if you can. And I think that's an important piece there because, you know, sometimes there are difficult emotions that you will feel um, and often we can look at different ways of ignoring it or um, dulling it, um, you know, avoidance. But actually what compassion is kind of saying there is a motivation actually going to acknowledge that distress. You may not be able to do anything about it at that point but actually noticing it sitting with it um is helpful and and that's why it's it's not a necessarily a um, easy thing and that can take a, a lot of courage um, and it can be very hard to do um and, and it's a it's a uh, it takes some time to develop as well hmm. I don't think the thing that I'm certainly learning, you know, from a, um, you know, the, the two years of my experience so far, um, each, you know, I, I, I make mistakes. Um, I don't always follow the things I've just said. Um, but the other piece that compassion brings to me is to not necessarily judge myself too harshly for that, but to actually say, why did that 
why did that old habit or why did that old style of thinking come back? So it's not also letting yourself off the hook. It's just actually being more curious about why that happened. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice phrase, being curious about what happened rather than just doing what you think might be like what's a nice thing to do for yourself in the moment. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, and I think the other thing that really helps is not just the words, but I actually learned this from one of your earlier podcasts with, 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 with the wonderful Dr. Mary Welford. Um, it's also about the tone that you say it. So something I um, uh, initially, when I was kind of working um, uh, with, with, with Nikki, who was my therapist around this, was I was try- it was very hard for me to try and change the words and you know if, if you make a mistake you, you you start to tell yourself off if you like um, to try and catch yourself at that point and switch the words is it's quite a step mm. and i think mary talked uh, on, on the podcast about well another step is to actually change the tone first of all um so you might not change the words but you change the tone she mm. does a, the, the wonderful example which i have seen do live now and it, it is a great example where she's looking for her car keys and you've either got the choice of looking for the car keys, telling yourself off, oh, you idiot, where did I put them? In a harsh way. Or if you just change that tone to a more humorous way, it, it does make a difference. Yeah. It changes the impact completely. It does. And I think that's a, that was a, a, a wonderful little tip that I, I picked up from this very podcast. Yes. I'm glad you've been a listener for a long time. because I've <laughs> interviewed Mary probably over a year ago now. I, oh yeah, I, I, it was quite early on in my um, kind of experience actually. So yeah, so it would have been, it would have been, um, it must be over a year at least. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think the things that we're talking about here, about the way you can apply self-compassion to yourself, it's tricky to do, but these things that you're bringing out, like the tone of your voice, turning your inner critic into a supporter, making me think about how, uh, how I'm like, how I choose to, or how I aim to be with other people. So like as a parent, the way I want to talk to my children as, uh, as a boyfriend, how I want to talk to my girlfriend, how I want to talk to my friends, my parents, my siblings, people I meet through work, is that it's easier for me to connect with that I would want, what, what compassion would be in those instances if I think about me towards somebody else. Mm. Mm. Um, and actually, I found that really useful in terms of helping other people um, introduce self-compassion in their own lives. And then I get this feedback from it. It's like, yeah, well, that's, that's how I can do it for myself. Is where so, it reinforces yeah. what it looks like. T- totally. And that's, that's um, some of the CFT exercises use self-image, uh, sorry, use imagery. Um, so there's a number of little practices around that. Um, so one way that you can help is to consider what does a compassionate person look like? And, and for different people, that can be, you know, you can sometimes work with people to say who in the public eye do you see as a compassionate person or, or what are the attributes of a compassionate person? So like you see, start to then say, well, that's what a compassionate uh, friend would look like to me. So what are those kind of attributes I could perhaps use? Or, or I think that's a... Uh, a very useful exercise because again compassion comes with so many connotations for different people I think just thinking about it in that way um, really does help. Mm-hmm. 
and it and it and I'm and I'm drawing a line under something I've written down that you mentioned earlier as well, which was reconnecting with myself. Self compassion has been a tool for that. Yes, it has because I think um, there is a lot of. Um, I guess with many talking therapies, you do quite a lot of self-reflection, but I think because you're doing it in a more non-judgmental way and you're doing it in a more encompassing way, so you're not not uh, trying to push away certain parts of you know, you know, impatience, for example, and you're not pushing that away as not being part of your character, if you like, or, you know, the certain situations that comes up. I think you, you, you then go through a piece where you do reconnect with more of yourself in, in a slightly different way because you've taken away some of that judgmental piece um, you're, you're, you're not being as critical um, and there are moments um, uh, as you kind of go through uh, or I've certainly found as you kind of go through this that little moments suddenly you realise how far that you've come along on that um, I, I use imagery quite a lot so one of the things that I did was to um, imagine uh, my, uh, I'm smiling because I've got several characters, but um, I imagined the inner critic as a bear. So there's a big, you know, um, and, and I started to think, okay, so that's, you know, that's quite scary. Um, so I called it Judge Bear. And so he sat there with his wig on and so, but then I started to kind of think as my time developing more compassionate, approach to that thinking he had to start to get a little bow tie which starts to bring a bit of humor into that part of it and then it kind of went to a stage where actually he changes it changes from a grizzly bear into more of a cuddly bear and actually therefore what he's actually saying is helpful it's not judgmental anymore it's a sportive piece um that kind of sounds quite tweet when I've just said that out loud, but that kind of imagery kind of does work for me. And I think maybe that illustrates that change from a critic to a supporter. Um, even if it's the same kind of voice, you know, or, or your same thought pattern that, that's um, driving it. Yes. So as we talk about this, it, it's making me think about how this is very relational, this practice of compassion mm -hmm. in the sense that, we're talking about how we relate to ourselves as a human being. And then it makes yes. me think that inevitably you then start to think about how you relate to other people. Yeah. And I know that you've, you've become um, a champion, if that's a, if that's a word that sits all right with you, of, um, of the practice of self-compassion. Um, Champions agree, trust the word. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, 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 I could, I could talk about it for hours. Um, <laughs> so, so it does. I mean, there's, there's something else that perhaps I didn't mention within the, the CFT which relates to this actually. But also, there's, there's a, there's a concept of three flows of compassion. Uh -huh. um, so there's the flow to others, which majority of people that is just something naturally that that happens. The second one is the flow of compassion towards yourself. And actually that can be quite hard. So even praise, you could look within that. So um, you're calling me a champion, for example, I can notice that I do wince at that a little bit. Um, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, um, sometimes it can be hard to receive um, compassion or, 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 or kindness in that, in that way. You know, you, I often deflect with a joke. Um, and then there's the flow 
towards yourself, the, the self-compassion. And they're all kind of connected because I think, um, so the first one, the compassion to others, most people, that's, that's quite natural. I think as you develop self-compassion, it can be easy to receive compassion from others. So easy to seek help if you need it. Easy to be more vulnerable. You know, I, when I first started the sessions with Nikki, I wouldn't say the word depression. Um, um, because I, I, there were so many barriers to saying that. And now I'm quite happily talk about it. And I'm quite happy to put myself into more, to open up about that vulnerability. Um, but then the compassion to um, others is interesting because I think you also develop a little bit more around that as you develop self-compassion. I think because you might see there is some distress there and your initial thing might be to go and help, but actually you might not be the right person to go and help. You might need to signpost somebody to, to, to go to seek professional help perhaps, you know, to see a, a, a therapist or to go and see their GP. And I think it just gives you a little bit more clarity to how you will react to that situation. So coming back to your, to your question though, yes, um, I, CFT made a difference to me. Um, and and I, I, what I would say is I had a very, uh, I think I had a very, uh, very good therapeutic experience, um, mainly because actually, although uh, Nikki used CFT with me, she also blended it with other elements of ACT, for example, um, never actually said, we're going to do CFT, we're going to do this. It was a combination of, of tools and things that helped me as an individual. But but CFT and compassion really just hooked something in my mind and it, and it made a lot of sense um, to my personal experience. And um, the other thing that happened was connection. So, um, which, uh, so you know, uh, it's it's quite a random set of connections but you know um nikki knows yourself so i think i connected with you um uh, uh, rich bennett uh, joe oliver through your podcast you know i discovered uh mary uh, and also um ray owen because uh, i also remember you did a very good podcast about values with with, with ray uh, which again just made big word values but it really came across uh, in a very uh, for me, made a lot of sense. And um, something else that Nikki had encouraged me, if I wanted to, I'd, I'd started to write about uh, my experience, but only very privately to some friends um, in a little mini blog on, on Facebook um, about the depression. And um, during one of the sessions, I think I've done about three blogs uh, she said, have you ever thought about going public with the blogs? And then did one of those, I always like to do this, is one of those um, psychotherapy things, a little nudge, little nudge, just left it there <laughs> to, to, to kind of uh, grow in my mind. And so, yeah, so that's, then I started to do a public blog and write, and uh, that was very kindly supported by uh, yourself and others who shared it. Um, the writing became very important to me. Um, partly because I guess it also brought this creative side of me that seemed to have been hidden in my corporate, corporate career. Um, and that just led to a number of different uh, connections. And then Mary um, uh, on social media, we, we'd all kind of started to connect, did a thing in December 2017, where she did the advent of compassion, which was she's going to post something every day just a little 
video, quote, whatever, as an advent calendar. And um, halfway through December, I thought, this is a really good, a lot of people, we're really kind of getting on to it, really great idea. Um, and an idea came to my head that why don't we just do this for every day of the year? Uh, a little bit also taken from uh, the Blurt Foundation, which is an online uh, depression charity, who do 365 days of self-care. And so the hashtag 365 days of compassion was, was, was born. And the intention there was just simply, uh, and remains simply really, to just have um, people post, if they want to, each day, um, something that's related to self-compassion, mental health. And that started off and it kind of grew, really. And, and, and what's kind of grown around it, which is, and astounds me to this now, is that there's a kind of community grown around that. Uh, globally connections um, and what I love about that um, is one it's a great support um, piece um, it's a very positive little part of social media um, but there's a great blend of people in the community you know um, you, you could self you know there's the likes of Mary um, uh, the folks over in Australia James Kirby Stan Shiel and alongside are the non-professionals if you like um i i don't like to do that division between professionals and non-professionals because i think the thing i really really take from that community is the sharing that happens and it's just a group of humans basically who are kind of yes. around that, that it's great that those 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 differences don't have to be things 100 that, that like inclusive or exclusive it, to, to, totally and i i i think um, for me, that's just one of those things that I value so much about that. And it is a community where you can post and say, I'm really not having a great day today. And people will respond. Um, and there's some great material that's shared from that. So, so that's kind of grown. And what, what we've done around it is that um, it's now on various different social platforms. There's also a Facebook group. Um, for this year, for 19, it's gone onto Instagram as well, which seems to be working quite well. Quite a lot of people seem to have welcomed that. Um, and I guess connected to that, um, towards the end of last year, we created um, a book club, which is an online book club. Um, so we, we've reviewed, um, had two sessions last year with Mary, talking about her brilliant CFT for dummies. Um, we've got this month in January, we've got lined up a Compassionate Mind workbook with Dr. Chris Irons and Dr. Elaine Beaumont. Um, Dr. Lucy Maddox lined up in Feb for Blueprint. Um, I'm hoping that in March I can line up, um, they have agreed this, I've just got to get the details, um, Eric Morris and Joe Oliver to talk about Activate Your Life, which was a book I found very helpful. Um, and, I'm, and, and, and hopefully uh, this year we'll get some folks like Professor Paul Gilbert onto it as well. Um, because that's the other thing that's happened around that community it's connected to the Compassionate Mind Foundation as well, so um, which is Paul's uh, charity set up around CFT, and so um, I'm hoping this year that we'll get even closer around that. And um, yeah, it's, it seems like a very important uh, charity. That what, what's that charity about? So it was originally set up um, 
uh, by Paul and, uh, and uh, folks like Mary was involved and, and Chris Irons and a few other people in terms of setting a charity up to really promote um, compassion-focused therapy. So it was very much aimed in that sphere to start off with. Mm. It has grown. So um, Paul uh, and team are doing some work locally in Derbyshire with schools. That's connected to the University of Derby, where Paul is based. Um, so they're doing some work with um, both the pupils and the staff, and I believe some of the parents as well, around you know mindfulness, around this kind of more compassionate approach to thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also now starting to do work um, in the workplace. So I think it was last year was the first leadership conference that um, CMF had run. And they're starting to also kind of look at some things around society as well as continuing to develop the use of CFT um, to support a range of mental well-being um, and mental health issues. Um, so, and the thing that I think is I welcome being self-confessed, very analytical, is that this comes from a very much science-backed um, set of research. Mm. And that's still continuing um, there's some great papers coming out around um, CFT supporting eating disorders. There's some work being done in Australia around that and supporting people with trauma, PTSD, um, continuing to be, to grow um, and continuing to understand a bit more about what is compassion as a motivation and, and, and making sure that, you know, the, that this does bring evidence-based um, benefits to people that's i mean that's a really rounded kind of uh focus that they sound like they've got there developing the interventions based on research trying them out in different important contexts like schools like workplaces um different problems that people might be struggling with and i guess kind of hopefully then using their experiences and the data they gather then to form inform the development of their interventions Absolutely, and it is, it is a global piece. I've, I've mentioned um, some of the folks over in the US, that's because Paul is connected to the University of Queensland over there, and there's some great work being done over there. Um, there's some great work being done out in Greece as well. Um, in fact, it's global, and, and of course, within the US, uh, there is Dennis Tersh, who's uh, also um, obviously very connected in the ACT world as well. Um, and um, the uh, work that he's been doing there um, around bringing that compassionate approach within the ACT piece, it's been fascinating. Um, um, I was delighted to, to, to join a, a, a video call with some uh, very interested uh, psychology uh, students in Peru the other day to talk about compassion and because they'd heard about wow. what Paul's doing. Uh, he is out in South America, I think, uh, towards the end of this year again. So it, it, it is really a growing global community. Yes. And so self-compassion then hasn't been a, a solo thing for you. It's not been something that you've just done in isolation from others. It's really been something that you start, sounds like you started on your own and then it's really grown into something with other people, those connections, those communities. Yeah, that, I've never thought of it in that way, actually. That's a very interesting question. Um, 
yes, it was very much a solo journey because I wasn't, I guess, if you go back to December 16 and then into the February 17 when I, when I first entered therapy, I very isolated then, I guess, in terms of not really talking about what was happening. Um, and then I guess it was through that therapeutic journey, um, you know, being encouraged to talk about it, really understanding that depression was a serious, was serious because, I, I, you know, I struggled with that to start off with. And then understanding these words like compassion, acceptance, uh, values, did go on a journey and um, I also did MBCT uh, towards the end of that which was a group session and that was very helpful um, and then as you say then the kind of this online community piece came along so yes actually that's a yeah I've never really thought of it like that yeah it's kind of been like a funnel I guess <laughs> it's a, yeah it's kind of come out what I love about that it's never been planned either none none of this was planned (laughs) you know that was something I really struggled with I was you know I worked as a program manager project manager I was used to plans and it was something I struggled with when I was first diagnosed with depression when I first started with therapy I think one of the first questions to Nikki was how many sessions we're going to have when am I going to start to feel this type of thing and it yeah nobody can answer those questions because it's an individual thing Mm. Um, and I, 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 I struggled with that so actually I'm now relishing the fact that all these things have kind of happened in a random way you know mm. the connections that have happened they just have happened and uh, it, it, it's lovely <laughs> yeah yeah i bet it is isn't it and I, it makes me think about the own community the community that i'm part of and how mm. you know things that i try to do things that i love just would be a fraction of the pleasure a fraction of the power if it wasn't with other people. Yes. Um, and I know there's a lot of bad new, bad stories around on social media. And, and unfortunately, you know, there are people who, it, it perhaps it just reflects some nature of, uh, uh, some of the darker sides of human nature, perhaps. But the online community is, is um, a very supportive one. And I think, you know, if you, if you are careful, particularly on something like Twitter, where it can get very um, heated and very um, aggressive in the tone that people take. I think if you're very careful and you select, and you can soon tell and you connect with people, then it can be, um, you know, a very positive experience, actually, and a very supportive one. And you just have to kind of work at that um, and just be careful who you kind of connect with sometimes. Sure, yes. Yeah, particularly in the online world, yes, that's an important thing, isn't it? It affects, affects a lot of people, affects young people, I guess, as well, more and more. That's something that um, seems to be a problem that needs to be kind of worked on. It, it, it is. I mean, one of, the, one of the lovely things, actually, that came out from the community towards the end of last year, because obviously... Uh, uh, 2018 was the first year that we ran the whole 365 was that somebody referred to it as a safe harbor it, <laughs> it, it, within this you know sea of kind of social media um, so, right. um, so that was Fiona who's been a massive supporter of, of, of 365 I know you know Fiona and um, that was that was just lovely to hear that because it, yeah um, and, and I've been very careful. I've taken a slightly compassionate approach to where I go on social media. I used to follow a lot of psychologists and so on. I've seen some of the very heated mental health discussions that sometimes happen on Twitter. And I decided that even though there were some people in there that um, 
you know, I wanted to follow. In the end, I was seeing too much of that and it, it wasn't helpful for me. Yeah. Um, so I kind of stepped away from that. Um, mm. And I found that more beneficial. Mm. Mm. And, the, you know, the connection thing is very interesting because that's led on to other opportunities. Yeah, you very kindly supported me and uh, achieved a bit of a dream of mine, which was to write a, a book. So we did the 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 ebook which was which was brilliant to write about um uh, probably covers some of the aspects that we've talked about today yeah um, so that we we published that book last year didn't we it's a new book we did. yeah called five self-compassionate ways to manage your depression yeah. and boost your well-being which you can find on www.openforwards.com forward slash shop hyphen ebooks yeah and that was that was that was uh that was another step on that kind of journey in terms of uh, sharing uh, stuff, but it was uh, it was a great experience actually. Yeah, I it was it was it was the first time that I'd um, partnered with somebody on on, on producing something, and um, you know I loved the way that you wrote, that you wrote, and um, I loved the way that you brought in your own personal experience and your your, your generosity in sharing that and. Um, and and also that you were you you were drawing in something that you thought would be useful for other people based on based on kind of um, some you know some scientific underpinnings as well. So the combination of those things was really appealing, and um, I was really glad that we got that got that done and got that out there. And yeah. um, you know, and, and people people have been buying it. Um, it's priced as one ninety five. We donate half the money to uh, the Compassionate Mind Foundation, and um, just. Yeah, really pleased that we've done it. Yeah, no, I've, I've had a few messages about it, and it's that's that's just um, that's astounding as well. So um, yeah, but it, 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 you mentioned there in terms of how much you share. I think uh, I may have said it earlier, but I think that's the piece for me, particularly in a uh, perhaps as a man in terms of that we're not encouraged to sometimes or expected to perhaps always talk about things. I think. Um, there's a certain openness that keeps it authentic. And I think without that, um, I can't really tell the story in the right way. For me, yeah. it's become actually quite a value to be actually open about certain things and to, to talk about that. Yes. So people can find you on Twitter. So uh, they can they can find me, they, they can find me on Twitter. I have a very strange handle <laughs> at at chizzy underscore ninety eight. Uh, it was a it was a random nickname that I had when I was at work. It was a very long story and boring. Um, <laughs> so that's uh, chizzy underscore ninety eight. Or uh, they can also now find we've got a dedicated for this year. I've set up a dedicated three hundred sixty five days of compassion um, Twitter account. Yeah. And we've also got a separate um, 365 Days of Compassion book club account, uh, which is specifically supporting those online chats that we have with, with authors. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the Facebook group, which is 365 Days of Compassion. Um, and uh, also just now onto Instagram, uh, where we post the daily images. So I tend to uh, create each day a daily piece of uh, shared compassion uh, uh, quote uh, that yeah. people have come out from. Um, so I'm aiming to do those for the 365 days. So that's, that's, that's going to be uh, good. So, yep. Yeah. And um, 
supporting all of that are some blogs as well. So there's my own personal blog, which I'm not running as much in at the moment, but I, I, I occasionally still post stuff there. And mm-hmm. we've got a community blog. Um, so people um, are now writing blogs for the 365 Days of Compassion community. Mm. Um, great mixture on that of people sharing um, their own stories. So Sarah Rees, who I know you interviewed uh, yes. a couple of episodes ago. Sarah wrote a brilliant um very open, very personal blog on there about her own journey um, and using compassion within that, um, which is a, a, a highly recommended read. Uh, we've got some poetry on there as well. And, Excellent. Um, somebody just posted, we've just had a summary paper on there of a little bit of research, but written in a way that's accessible to, you know, outside of an academic type of world. So uh-huh. that's just gone out today. So I'm really pleased with how that's starting to, to kind of come together. And the web address for that is? So um, these are all on WordPress. Um, so the web address for my own personal one is um, Breathe Underwater uh, at WordPress. Um, the book club is 365 Days uh, of Compassion Book Club at WordPress and then um, 365 Days of Compassion at WordPress. Um, I can send you the... Uh, the links uh, yeah we'll put them in the show notes as well so people can just see them on the website yeah and um i imagine there'll be some people out there that want to get involved in the book club and uh so we can find posts in that direction please i mean the book club is totally open um we're doing it on twitter at the moment um so um, we get the authors in so we've had i say mary last year great to just have an, an hour's chat um very open questions about the book, about compassion focused therapy, uh, which is brilliant. Um, I say we've got authors lined up this this year. We may try and do a Facebook Live, um, perhaps on that as well. I've had some requests for that because obviously not everyone's on Twitter. Uh-huh. What I would say is, I uh, about a few days after we've done the chat, I do try and capture all of the tweets into a blog. So that even if people couldn't join us or they don't access Twitter, they can still see the conversations. Um, so plenty of ways to, to access that as well. Cool. Cool. I mean, that's great. That's lots of people to get into there. Thank you so much, Chris. For that's sure. this. It's, it's, it's brilliant to have you on. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I reckon this would be a really good episode for people to listen to. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been a delight. And um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> See you. Thanks, Jim. Cheers. Bye.